Let us pray. Lord, I thank you for gathering us today. Open our hearts to hear your word. Open our minds to understand what you have for us this morning. Lord, and give us the strength of the power of your Holy Spirit to share Christ with everyone we come in contact with. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. About 10 years ago, my dad had cataract surgery, and he had pretty good vision. He just needed readers, kind of like I do now. And I asked him, I said, Dad, how did it go? And he said, it's great. I can see everything. He said, but it's also bad. He goes, I looked in the mirror, and I realized how many wrinkles I have. See, sometimes exposure isn't always a great thing, right? We know this. We see this in our culture And we don't want to always have people know all our business. You don't want people to know that maybe you don't know what you're talking about. We definitely don't want to get caught in a compromising position. None of us wants to be exposed in this kind of way. However, we seem to relish when others are exposed. That's why we go online to mug faces and find out if our neighbors got arrested over the weekend. This is why when we're in the slow line at the grocery store, and by the way, I'm always at the slow line in the grocery store. I think God must really want to be teaching me patience. We can't help but glance over at the latest celebrity gossip magazine to look what celebrity has done the walk of shame that has fallen from grace. As much as we personally don't want to get caught or exposed, sometimes it's great to be noticed. And I'll give you an example. When I was uh, first starting to date Veronica, I went to meet her family. Went to Brazil for the first time over Christmas, and I'd been there about four days, and I decided to go running by myself. And Veronica had told me, she said, look, Steve, you look like a gringo. You don't want to stand out so much in Brazil. Try to blend in. Use your little bit of Portuguese you have. So I said, well, I'll go running and, you know, just kind of be like a regular Brazilian guy. Well, First of all, I'm the only one running, and it's like 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning, and it's blazing hot out because, you know, it's the Southern Hemisphere and it's Brazil, and I'm just dying of sweat, and I'm running, I'm running, and all of a sudden I realize I have no idea where I am. I can't find her parents' apartment. So then I start walking, and I'm starting to panic. I need to find something that, that, that's familiar. I looked and I looked, and finally I looked in a store window, And there was uh, Veronica's brother-in-law, and he saw me, and because he has difficult saying the name Steve in Portuguese, he said, Sheev, Sheev, and I was like, yes, it's me, I'm Sheev. So he got me, put me in a car, and drove me back to the apartment, and I had been found. I had been noticed. Sometimes it is good to be noticed. In the 1985 movie, The Breakfast Club, there's a powerful scene. You have these five or six high school students that are all on Saturday suspension, and they're all sitting around and starting to know their stories, and they couldn't be more different. You have somebody representing each part of the high school kind of clique groups. You have the pretty kind of preppy girl. You have the jock athlete. You have the geek, kind of the nerd guy who doesn't quite fit in. You have the stoner. And then you have this girl that was just super weird. Her hair covered her face, and she didn't really say anything. She kind of grunted the whole time, and... Finally, as they were starting to uh, talk more, one of the, the, the jocks said to her, when she hinted that she had trouble at home, she goes, what do your parents do to you? 
And everybody was expecting they did something horrible, like abused her, or did something very traumatic to her. And she simply said, they ignore me. And he kind of shook his head and said, I know what you mean. Fortunately, when I was in high school, I had two youth leaders who noticed me. They were working with Young Life, a Christian outreach ministry. They went to my football games. They knew my stats. They would tell people about how good I did in a game. It was almost crazy how much they seemed to know and care about me. But then they introduced me to the God who knew everything about me, the good, the bad, the ugly. They introduced me to grace. They introduced me to the cross, that Jesus had died for my sins so that I could be in fellowship, that I could be in relationship with him. And that was the beginning of my faith life. Two youth leaders had noticed me and had brought me to Christ, the God who notices us, who noticed me. For many of us in our faith and our understanding of God, we get uncomfortable with being thought of as too religious. We don't want to be exposed as a hypocrite. So we try to be like chameleon Christians and just blend in. Because if people knew that we were maybe regular churchgoers or went to retreats or that we went on mission trips and then they saw that maybe we're not always perfect, they might think of us as a phony. Perhaps we don't want to, maybe we don't even feel like we measure up to God, that he's just kind of disappointed, kind of sitting on the sidelines, just shaking his head, saying, wish you could have done a little bit better. So we try and keep God at arm's length. Well, no matter where you are, there's good news today. There's good news not only from the gospel as a whole, but there's good news from our scripture that we read this morning. See, we have a God who knows us, who notices us, but his exposure is positive. See, he sees our shortcomings and our imperfections, and yet he still loves us. He loves us so much that he doesn't leave us in our sin and our isolation and our separation from God. He sent his son Christ to expose sin in the world, to get us out of hiding so that we could find God. He died on the cross for us so that we have access to the Father. He opened our eyes to cure us from our spiritual blindness. So as Jesus begins his ministry, as we talked about in Epiphany last week, and Greg laid out in Jesus' baptism, we have John the Baptist, we have John the Baptist, and it's the inauguration in a sense of Jesus' ministry. And he's like the mouthpiece. And if I was the PR firm that hired John the Baptist, it might seem like an unlikely choice. He was this crazy guy with unkempt hair that ate locust and lived out in the desert. And yet all these kind of suburban people, these city people, came out because they felt this emptiness, this loneliness inside of them. So they went to this very unpolished religious leader, and he proclaimed to them on who this Jesus was. And John was a great mouthpiece. He said that Jesus was going to do two things. He was going to be the Lamb of God who was going to take away the sins of the world. And the second thing he said, he was going to be the revealer of God to Israel. He was going to be the God revealer. When you think of the Lamb of God, you can't help but think of Moses and the Passover. Remember the Lamb, the blood of the Lamb was put on all the doors. The Hebrew people were spared. They crossed the Jordan into freedom. But it was a sacrifice. Blood was required. So we know that in Jesus' ministry, there was going to be a sacrifice that blood would also be shed. 
But then there's the other thing, that Jesus was going to be the God revealer. As Greg laid out last week in his sermon, that the word became flesh and he dwelled among us. That Jesus was not just any ordinary person. He was, the, he was with God in the beginning in creation, with that trinity that started everything, that holy fellowship. And he came down to be with us, to walk with us. Jesus is God in flesh. He did not fly over like those plains in Myrtle Beach with a little banner that said, Repent, for God is near. Come to Jesus. No, he got down with us. He lived among us. He participated in life with us. Early church father, St. Irenaeus, said this, Our blessed Lord Jesus Christ became what we are in order to bring us to be what he is himself in relationship with God. But in order to do this, he spent time with people. He got below the surface. He got to know people. He noticed people. He exposed their lostness. He showed them how they could be found in him. His method was relational. So as John the Baptist promoted that Jesus was going to be this lamb that would take away the sins of the world, and that he was going to reveal God to people, so he begins his ministry. And he starts calling the disciples. And he did it and just with ordinary guys. Most of them were fishermen, just regular people. They weren't even religious leaders. But one thing about them, as we see, at least in Andrew's case, and it seems like most of them, is they were seekers. They, too, felt that emptiness. They wanted to know God in a deeper way. That's why Andrew had come to see John the Baptist. But Jesus takes him to his house, talks to him. Andrew's so impressed that he tells his brother, uh, Simon. Simon comes to, and he brings him to Jesus. When Simon meets Jesus, Jesus gives him a new nickname. He says, you're no longer going to be called Simon. I'm going to call you Peter, which means the rock. And if you know anything about Peter, he was definitely not a rock. He was rocky, if anything. He was always putting his foot in the mouth. He was impulsive. He was doing the wrong thing. But the more time he spent with Jesus, he slowly became that rock. You see, he denied Jesus three times when Jesus, after, when Jesus was going to be crucified. said he didn't know him. But when Jesus rose again, he reinstated Peter and told them that he was going to be the rock that would build the church. And Peter lived into his name. Jesus knew things about people. He didn't leave them where they were. And then there's a story after the reading. I didn't make Kathy read it because it would have gone on too long. But the next day, Jesus meets Philip. He calls him too. And Philip is so impressed with Jesus, he goes and tells his friend Nathaniel. And Nathaniel's response is interesting. He says, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? See, Nathaniel came from good pedigree, came from a good family line, and I guess Nazareth was where the people that on the wrong side of the tracks, so to speak. But when Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said to him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathaniel goes, How do you know me? He had never seen Jesus before. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. It's like, how did Jesus know? I guess that was the place that he went, kind of a secret place, a special place. But Jesus seemed to know that. And I love Jesus' answer. When he hears that, he's so impressed about that. He says, 
You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. Peter, Jesus knew people. He knew all about them. He got below this surface. He exposed people. But his exposure wasn't negative. His exposure drew people to himself, the author of our lives. These were ordinary, hardworking fishermen. And when they met Jesus, these ordinary people ended up doing extraordinary things. Jesus drew them into the fellowship. He drew them into a relationship with God. These early believers, the church was built on them. And I know what you're thinking. You're saying, well, it was easy for these guys. They met Jesus face to face. Here we are 2,000 years later. It's not so easy. Well, in the early church, Paul encourages the, the new believers in Corinth. Many of them had never seen Jesus. And he writes these words to them. This is from our epistle reading. He writes, he will also strengthen you to the end so that you may be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. By him you were called into fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ. Not only was the early church encouraged by Paul's words, but they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So they had the power to live out this life. They shared in the fellowship of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They shared with each other. These young believers understood that they were noticed and known by God. They experienced God's grace. And because of that, the early church was built. These weren't first-hand witnesses. These were, these were second. And then through the years, through the generations, to where we are now, there's been countless, countless, millions and millions of people who've come to put their trust and their belief in Christ. They understand that God notices them, that he knows they're good and they're bad. He doesn't leave them like that, but he calls them into it. Life and life to the fullest. Jesus is the Lamb of God. He does indeed take away the sins of the world. He is the God revealer. His method was relationships. He noticed the early disciples and he led them to follow them. He is not the spectator God who just stands on the sidelines and is hoping that you won't disappoint him. He invited the early believers into fellowship with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He is inviting you into the same fellowship. Greg mentioned Christmas Eve that Jesus was more than a model. He was the Son of God who came to save us from our sins, from us trying to do life on our own. Come and see. His exposure is not negative. He has our best interest in mind. His desire is to bring you into fellowship with God. Come and see. Remember, he brought ordinary people, ordinary fishermen, to do extraordinary things. He's inviting you into that kind of relationship. But when we don't put our trust in Christ, there's, con there's consequences. We miss out on all that God has for us. We're almost like that kid at the fair. There's all the cotton candy and the rides and everything going on. But we can't find our parents, so we're bawling and we can't enjoy what's all around us. That's what it's like when we don't know the Father. Theologian C. Baxter Kruger says when we dismiss God from the equation of life, he said the quest for life still drives us because we all have that hunger for life. 
but we are doomed never to find the answer and thus doomed to live with a gnawing sense of loss, with anxiety and franticness and quiet desperation, doomed to live in boredom to being alive. Will you continue to try and hide from God or will you trust him? He sees you. He notices you. He wants you to open your eyes. He wants you to see the fair. He's inviting you in to his family. Perhaps you know that this morning. But there's so many people that don't. We as a church have a job to do. I love uh, Paul's writing in 2 Corinthians, and I think it equates kind of who we are as believers in Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Christ in you is the hope and the glory. We have a job to do as a church to introduce people to the Christ that knows them, the God who walked with people, the Holy Spirit that empowers us to know Christ. Remember in our epistle reading, he will strengthen you to the end so that you may be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. By him you were called into fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus is the God revealer. His exposure of your life is not a negative thing. He wants you to see your need, to understand that when you try to live life apart from God, your life is going to be filled with baggage, with bondage, so you won't be able to see God. He came to get rid of sin, to get rid of all the darkness and the tears. His exposure is positive. I want to end a little differently than I did the first service, but you all weren't in the first service. But there's a video that I think which captures what our relationship with God was meant to be. It was meant to be a trusting relationship where we realize that we can't do life on our own very well. When we understand that he knows everything about us and that trust, our putting our faith in him, is going to bring us life and life to the fullest. There's a great sports story that uh, has been going on for a while. There was a guy named Dick Hoyt who had a son named Rick Hoyt. And Rick was born with his umbilical cord wrapped around his neck two times. This was in the 60s. And they said uh, to Rick, your son, put him in an institution. At that time, it was, that's what people did when they had kids with special needs. They told parents they didn't have the uh, know-how to care for such a kid. But him and his wife said, we're going to raise him like a normal kid. And so they did. And then they began to realize that he was smart. And they found a computer, since he couldn't talk, that he kind of hit with his head and he could communicate. Then one day his son asked if they could run a race together where he would push him. And his dad was super out of shape, ended up running the race. And his son said, you know, Dad, when I run with you, I feel like I don't have a disability. Remember that quote by Kruger that said, when we try to do life on our own, it's this franticness. It's almost like that hamster on the wheel. We don't know where we're going. We're going to show this quick clip, and it's a little video of uh, Rick and Dick Hoyt. And I want you to think of that as, a, as what faith is. 
It's not God on the side being a spectator, but God pushing us through life. God showing us what life is and life to the fullest. Do you all have the video? When all I would do 
is forever, forever worship you. I can only imagine. I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. God notices you. He knows your story. Life is good with him. Go, notice other people. Bring them the good news of the God that knows them. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you that your exposure of our lives is good. You get us out of isolation. You call us out of our sin. You call us to the cross. You give us the hope of the resurrection. But we are more than proclaimers. We have a job to reveal, to show you to the world. Give us strength. In Jesus' name, amen.